Welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Omar Sanchez. Coach Sanchez is the head coach at Holy Names University in Oakland, California. We talked to him today about serving others, refining your culture, and practicing gratitude and humility. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Coach. Coach Sanchez, uh, really appreciate your time. I know everybody right now is, is busy getting prepared or already in the in the uh, swing of things for this coming semester and preparing for what's to come here in the fall and in the winter. So again, thank you for thank you for making the time to be here. So let's go ahead and get started, Coach. In that, how are you introduced to the game of basketball? Well, you know. I would say for me, uh, basketball came into my life, um, I would say as early as the fourth grade and something as simple as something that I don't do as much anymore is, is playing outside, is playing in the, uh, in the playgrounds. And, and, um, I just happened to be out there with uh, a friend of mine who to this day is still a good friend of mine, Julio Medrano, who was a really prolific shooter, uh, and asked me if I wanted to play and, and really got interested in, and wanting to play, and for me, it's just uh, I wasn't uh, really exposed to sports much in my family. We were really exposed more to just working and, and getting your job done, and so um, so I was pretty excited the fact that someone wanted me to be a part of something, and and so really, my friend Julio was the one that really introduced me to playing basketball, and so I started playing basketball, and then um, kept it through middle school, and ended up. Uh, uh, you know, really enjoying uh, enjoying it through middle school, and then uh, getting to high school and being able to uh, to really prove myself. And one of the things I've enjoyed about basketball is it's, it's an opportunity to really prove yourself uh, every day that that you're capable of being part of something, that you're capable of doing your job when it comes to whatever your role is. And so, you know, my high my high school experience was. Uh, was a really good one. I mean, we when I went to my high school, Jordan High in Watts, and um, we had a we had a coach by the name of Ed Kamiyama who was brought in to really clean up our program. And you know, being in the inner city, we had some uh, issues prior uh, to me getting there. And so, uh, Coach Kamiyama really instilled a sense of discipline. I mean, uh, we would have to run a two mile run before practice started, and wow. if we couldn't make the two mile run you weren't going to practice that day. And, and it was that level of commitment and determination that Coach Kamayama had that really, really changed our program around from really not winning many games to uh, making playoffs. Um, I mean, I, I, I played with some really good uh, players in high school that uh, unfortunately didn't go beyond that. Um, and I'm probably the only one that ended up uh, going and playing college ball, ironically, uh, and um, and so yeah, and basketball has been in my life since the fourth grade. I've really uh, I've really been a student of the game, continue to be a student of the game, and 
it teaches me so much uh, even to this day. Fantastic, Coach. So who was it, Coach Kamiyama, who influenced you to go into coaching, or how did that happen all together? Did you just see after your playing days saying, hey, I want to stay in the game, and this is how I do it? How did that come about? Yeah, it's funny how, uh, for me, you know, I don't have a pedigree of coaching. You know, no one in my family coached. Uh, it was one of those things for me. Um, when I when I went to, after high school, I went to UC Davis, and I wasn't recruited there. I actually was a pretty good volleyball player as well wow. during high school. I, I played four sports, and all, all the other three sports that I partook in is because I wanted to be better in basketball. So I played football because I wanted to toughen up for basketball. Yeah. So I wanted to learn how to hit and get hit and do all those pieces. And we had some guys that really uh, took me under their wing and really helped me with that um, in, in high school. And then I played volleyball, and I did volleyball because, you know, unlike the day, uh, today's day and age where everyone has a trainer for everything, I, I felt like back in the day we played different sports to get the different pieces we wanted. And yeah. so obviously for me, volleyball helped me with, you know, jumping and, and being able to move laterally, explode and those pieces. I was also running track and field, running the the 4x4, four four, eight, the 880, I did some high jump stuff. Um, and so for me, it really helped uh, me be better at basketball. And, and so, uh, so, but really coaching was not something that I really thought about when I left um Let's see, my junior year in high school, I was chosen. Um, there was nine people chosen to, do, to go do cancer research in uh, at the University of Vermont, and I was the only West Coast student that got chosen. And so wow. uh, that, that was essentially my first time away from home. I was in Burlington, Vermont. They had paid for everything. I went out there and did cancer research. And so uh, I, I, I did some pretty cool stuff working in labs, uh, working with three chemotherapy drugs, uh, I would say the names, but uh, it's, it's, I'm more of a bio nerd and I love that kind of stuff. But yeah. uh, work, working in a lab 12 hours a day for like the whole entire summer for me, I just fell in love with the sciences. And so I knew that I wanted to be pre-med. Um, earlier on, that kind of just solidified that. I, I felt like sports for me was going to be a mechanism for me to kind of uh, get through phases of my life. And so I ended up uh, going to UC Davis where I wanted to play volleyball a little bit and and then I went out for the basketball team, uh, and Bob Williams, uh, who was the coach there with uh, Brian Fogel, uh, two great, amazing wow. coaches there. Uh, coach Bob Williams uh, is just retired, I believe, two years ago. Brian Fogel is uh, a women's coach over at Chico State and still is doing some great stuff there. But what ended up happening to me is, uh, you know, I feel like the universe has a funny way of teaching you lessons. And so I... Yeah. Just like every high school kid that comes out of high school, I felt like I was God's gift to basketball. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, looking back in hindsight, I, I ended up blowing out my ACL. Wow. And we were in spring ball, and I blew out my ACL and had to have uh, ACL reconstructive surgery. And uh, so that ended up happening, and I really wanted to be part of the team at Davis. I, I, I really was determined to do so. Um, obviously, I couldn't with a, with a blown ACL. I ended up uh, asking Coach how I can be part of it. And Coach uh, asked me if I wanted to be a manager. And I said, sure. You know, I wasn't going to be able to practice play or do anything. And so that was the first time I really was introduced to coaching. You know, the way Coach uh, Bob uh, Williams really ran the program. Yeah. Uh, 
sitting behind closed doors and meetings and listening to what they talked about, about developing players and having their interests at heart. Um, and, you know, that was the year we won a national championship, being the first Division II, uh, Division II school with no scholarships to ever win a national championship. Wow. And so uh, that, was, that, that opened huge. up my eyes to it. And uh, what it taught me is that, one, I, I had a long ways to go to really be a good basketball player. Um, that team was loaded with so much great talent. The, the point guard, uh, Dante Ross, was such an amazing leader. They had some great energy guys, and Justin Durkee, Jonathan Surface, Jason Cox, a lot of those guys that were just, they, they showed up every day with a purpose. And, uh, and, and even, you know, who we call, you know, those guys that really don't get to play much, but those guys ended up becoming good friends of mine. One who is now uh, an associate head coach at UC Davis, uh, Coach Nosek. And then uh, the other one is an associate head coach over at Sac State, uh, Brandon Laird. And, you know, I reach out to those guys as much as I can and pick their brain about stuff. And, and so just, you know, for me, the coaching aspect of it was really not something I wanted. I thought I was going to be uh, pre-med. And, and then some things happened in college with my ACL. My grandfather was uh, murdered in Mexico. Wow. And it set me back in a couple uh, places academically. And so... Once uh, I ended up uh, transferring from Davis and finished my career here at Holy Names University, at, at the time it was Holy Names College, and um, and had a different coach, and we were really good here as well. We we were number one team in the country defensively for two years that I was here. Uh, we were able to make nationals, win a conference tournament, conference tournament uh, champions, and so uh, for me it was just the the, uh, the process by which you bring a group together to really help them grow, develop, and and really give up themselves uh, for the cause, yeah. whatever that cause is, yeah. which in the end, I, I think it's winning, but use certain life skills, uh, things that kind of help them along the way. Yeah. And so um, when I was done, I played a short stint in Juarez. Uh, I really did not uh, enjoy it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I felt like I was ready to start my life. And then I became a, a certified strength conditioning coach. That was the first thing I ended up doing in 2002 uh, at UCLA. And, and, and then fitness has always been part of my life because, uh, to, to tell you the truth, I wasn't always the best player. Um, and, and I was okay with that. But yeah. the way I, I found myself playing basketball is, is I was that guy that, you know, uh, was full of energy, was going to do the little things and, and, wanted to do it to the best of my ability, rebound, defend, get on the floor for loose balls, take charges. Uh, I always tell my guys now I was an All-American charge taker in college, uh, and I was an All-American passer because, you know, for me, that's what I needed to do, and, and that's what my team needed me to do in order for for us to be successful, and so I embraced that role. Yeah, no, um, yeah. So, I'm, so I'm hearing you say a couple of things, Coach, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but because you're saying a lot, and I kind of want to touch on some things you're talking about building culture in in the programs that you're a part of and kind of the success you all had by virtue of doing those type of things. Uh, I, I like how you, you know, you've got your degree in biology. So, yeah, you were headed down that track of pre-med. Uh, but I think there's a lot of coaches out there who had plans, whether academically uh, or financially in some kind of, uh, arena where they were going to jump into the business world 
or, or stock market or whatever. And then all of a sudden they get this hankering and this calling or wh- whatever you want to call it to jump into coaching. And so that, that, that really is uh, phenomenal how you kind of transition to that. Uh, I just I think it's really interesting. Yeah, and like I said, for me, it's just uh, I, I knew in the end, uh, you know, I knew from a young age what my purpose was in life, to be honest. Okay. You know, at the age of seven, I was I was ran over by a drunk driver, wow. uh, got dragged under a car for a whole block, and my neighbor was the one that stopped the guy. And and I remember reflecting back to that day of my life, and uh, I, I didn't die. I mean, yeah. I, I shouldn't have lived. And uh, I spent three and a half months in the hospital, which my, my mother, to this day, I love him so much, but she was the one that, that stayed by my side that whole time. Um, and and so for me, like, I knew that I had a purpose. I knew there's there was other times in my life where, you know, things happen in the inner city where, you know, very easily you're always, uh, you know, uh, something's always lurking around the corner. And so... I always felt like I was looked after in some capacity, <clears throat> and uh, and so I always knew that my purpose was to serve. Yeah, I, I didn't know in what capacity. I didn't know in how I was going to do that. Whether that be as a doctor, as a strength coach, as a coach. For me, everything that I've done in my life is really to serve others, and uh, and so th- that's kind of been kind of my whole life mission was to really figure out how I'm going to serve others. Yeah, and. Uh, the best part is right now in the roles that I feel here, I, I get to serve multiple, multiple people. So, Coach, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get into kind of your transition from like when you were working with the women's side to the men's side, but I feel like I, I want to ask more about here again. You, you talk about these life experiences and, and what you've been through uh, here again, going back to your education, being a biology guy, and then getting CSCS uh, certified. Uh, which is, you know, you're at that point you're certified to go work at any institution, basically in America and even in the world. There's there's a lot of achievements that you had, and I I want to know, Coach, honestly about your environment at home where you grew up, and and your parents in particular, how they raised you to kind of be this achiever. I don't say overachiever because that kind of sets a, a negative connotation at times, but somebody who's always looking to achieve and setting goals. Can you run down that for me? Well, you know, as, as I mentioned to you, I mean, you know, I, I will share with you, like when I when I left for college, my, my mom and dad did not want me to go. Wow. And at the time, I thought, you know, how 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 about that, right? You you, you want to go to college? Yeah. You know, they they kept trying to talk me down and say, why don't you just get a job and work your way up? Um, and. And I, I later found out it, it wasn't because they didn't want me to go. You know, culturally for me being Mexican, there's a lot of pride in, yeah. our, in our family. Yep. And I think uh, failure is not looked upon very well. No, it's not. And I think they were afraid of me failing because this is uncharted territory for, me, for my family. No one's gone to college. No one's decided to go that route. Yeah. And uh, But I knew that I had to do it. And so for me, just... You know, I, I owed it to my mom and dad to know that I was going to be okay. I appreciate everything they've done for me because, you know, to this day, to this day, my father still wakes up at 5 o'clock in the morning, every morning, to go to work. His, wow. his loyalty to the, to the people that he has worked for 
I mean, to me, essentially, my loyalty comes from seeing my mom and father. I mean, my dad, my dad has been working for this other company for, I would say, 25 plus years. He worked for a previous company for 20 plus years, uh, and he, he's been so loyal to, to the company that he works for. My mom was uh, working for a fabric company that that did bathing suits, and so they moved to Mexico. She she worked with them for 25 years. Wow. And so. And so for me, I seeing that, I mean, they instilled that sense of loyalty. And, yeah. you know, I'm a big believer you take care of those that take care of you. And I, I felt like I've learned a lot here at Holy Names University, and, and they've taken care of me in so many ways. Um, but I, I essentially, my parents really are the ones that instilled that. And and to be honest, you know, growing up in, in the inner cities, you you, uh, you have to be particular about who you mesh with. You know? Yeah. I mean, just in my neighborhood, there was five, six different types of gangs. Yeah. You know, going to middle school, living in a crip neighborhood, and then going to a middle school that was a blood neighborhood, you have to be careful what you wore, what you yeah. say, what you do, and all those pieces. And so really getting that education was invaluable. But th- there were three gentlemen there in the, in the neighborhood that really sacrificed a lot. And to this day, I consider them very close friends of mine, David Mendoza and um, you know Mario and Rudy uh, Fernandez are three guys that really took me under their wing, older guys that were in the neighborhood. And, and I remember my, my David Mendoza, who, you know, I still talk to to this day and, and, uh, you know, really he gives me great feedback about different things. But the one thing he told me was, you know what, Hey, get out of here, you know, and, uh, and we'll always be here, you know, yeah. we'll be here for you. And, and when you come back, you know, we'll be hanging out on the same block. We'll be saying the same jokes. And it's so funny because 20 years later, you know, that I go back and it's so fun to be part of that with them and knowing that for me, I also owe it to them yeah. to make sure that I do right and to make sure that I keep progressing in my life because there's people that sacrifice for me in my life. And for me, I'm so eternally grateful for that. And yeah. so... Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, a couple of different components that have really attributed to that. It's funny because your experience sounds a lot like like my experience in the sense that the neighborhoods we grew up in, the people there, you know, it seemed like the people that were in our lives at that time during the height of all that nonsense and, and craziness, uh, say back in the early 90s and all that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they were like almost immune to it because everybody had respect for them. It's like people didn't mess with those group of people for some reason. And they were the wise old owls that were, you know, mm-hmm. at the time they seemed old to us. Uh, and they were just giving us advice. And, and I, you know, I can relate so much to what you're saying. Uh, what I've always experienced in my culture, being, you know, in the Hispanic, Mexican-American, and, and, you know, cultures like that, like we've kind of grew up in, is that uh, we all look out for each other. Family takes care of family. That's the biggest saying. That, that I've come to learn, you know, through my culture in particular. And and for better or yeah. for worse, man, we're always in it together. We may not always get along, but we're in it. And we're going to look out for each other. And uh, so, yeah, you know, it's it's as you're speaking, I'm kind of reliving kind of <laughs> my experience too. So I, I really appreciate you talking about that. Now, where you're at now at Holy Names, I, I, uh, I want to get into kind of how you've established your culture there. You know, having been a part of that community now for a while, what is it? What does that look like, Coach? Like, is it easy to do it since you've been there so long? 
or is it still kind of are you still fighting for culture daily how, how does that work well i i i think it's twofold one uh you know we like to think that even when you establish culture it, it doesn't mean that it's uh it's going to remain there right yeah. um, the faces change and uh you know, we graduate players, we bring in new ones. Every year we're recruiting new players. And so I, I think the biggest thing with culture for me is really uh, identifying with something. And, and for me, it starts in the recruiting process, right? It's just making sure that we uh, – I believe in utter transparency when it comes to recruiting kids. I don't want to give them any uh, illusions of something they're not going to get. Yeah. I want them to know what they're going to get when they come here. Uh, I, I always promise kids two things. And that's that we're going to do everything in our power to graduate you and that you'll be in the best shape of your life. Those wow. are the only two things I promised the kids. After that, I said, everything else you have to earn. And um, so for me, like it always starts with energy, right? And energy, um, positive energy is what we hope for. Because the things that I always talk about with my players is energy, uh, focus, effort. If you have positive energy, your focus is in the right place and your effort will be in the right place. Yeah. But just like if that's not in place and, you know, we live in a world where kids have accessibility to social media and it's full of negativity. Yeah. You know, we can very easily go down that rabbit hole a lot. It's easier to go down the rabbit hole of, of being negative because that's easiest and that comes natural because we're so surrounded by so much negativity that we really have to work at being positive. Yeah. And, uh, and so we, we try to get our players and our, and our, and our, uh, staff here to really understand that it really starts with energy and so I utilized you know I a couple years ago I, I decided that I wanted to read I've always read books over summer and, and throughout the season but I over the last five years I've been able to read about 15 to 20 books a summer and reading has really opened my mind to different ways of how to refine my culture yeah and you know take little pieces from different places that allow me to kind of keep refining the culture that I'm trying to establish here, but the premise of it is energy. The premise is always making sure that, you know, you have control of energy. You have control whether you're going to be positive or negative today. Yeah. And if you're not working at it, then it's going to be difficult. And if you succumb by what's, what's around you and, you know, we're, we're an institution that brings in a lot of first generation students, which again, I can relate to because I'm a first generation kid. And, and so a lot of those kids come from troubled backgrounds. And so yeah. how do we get them to reframe their mind and understand that look, my job is to help you find identity here? Yeah. Once you leave this place, you really have to really understand what your identity is and know that people are going to challenge it everywhere. Yeah. So let me make sure that I can help you with that. And that's something that for me, I really take pride in being able to do that for my players because, again, basketball is great and dandy. But, you know, the game of basketball can be taken away from you tomorrow. A college yeah. degree or learning and being a life learner, that can never, ever be taken away from you. Definitely. Yeah, so, I love that, Coach. That, that's so true. And, and I like what you're saying about finding identity. I think that's something as, as coaches we sometimes feel like, um, let's not mess with our identity. It might affect their game. Or, you know, you, 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 you want to take a holistic approach all the time, right? But you're also thinking about what should I not mess with? What should I not? Where should I not go with a player? But the reality is when it comes to their identity, that's everything, you know, because that's how they see themselves when they wake up in the morning. That's how they think of themselves before they go to sleep at night. Uh, who, they are, who they are, who they think they are when they're with you in your presence has a lot to do with how they uh, listen to you 
how they respect you, how they Absolutely. how they play out what it is, the directives and initiatives that you all have planned. And so identity is so important. So here again, a, another great point, Coach. So I appreciate you saying those things. No problem. And like I said, for us, we, we, we take different pieces of, uh, of you know, we, we do what we call it. We call it a, a ed series, educational series. And we really delve into a lot of life skill stuff with our players. I sacrifice the first week and really don't let them touch basketballs. We get in the weight room, we lift a lot. But I sacrifice that week because I really need them to understand what we are about. Yeah. Before we get on the floor and start getting into, you know, uh, uh, altercations or, you know, learning how to deal with each other with a sense of respect and understand what that looks like, what that means. We really devote that week of, of life skills to really help them understand. And, and one of the things that's really helped us out the last couple of years is we, we uh, I'm a big fan of uh, a guy named John Gordon. Yeah. And John Gordon has a lot of great stuff, energy buzz, um, you know, power of positive leadership, positive team. He has so many great books, but we use one of his call one word it's a very simple book yeah and so i do this whole power presentation on the one word and help them figure out what their one word is going to be for the year and they have to choose this one word that helps them identify what what their goal is in Uh relationship to what our team goal and their role on the team is going to be yeah and and we have them put that one one copy in their binder one copy is laminated and they have to put it somewhere where they wake up and that's the first thing they see yeah and so it's 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 constantly trying to get them to be in that frame of mind because they have so many distractions we call it white noise there's so much white noise around them distracting them from really staying on track yeah and so we we tend to really uh uh, you know it's not something that we do just that week if we started off that week and every week we're talking about something uh, that deals with our culture and what we want and energy and and whatever our team one word is going to be is, is, is so important. Fantastic, Coach. Uh, I, you know, I, I kind of go down the, the path of trying to read a little bit more and more, like you're talking about progressively every year uh, to build culture and to find, I guess, best practices as well and take, and take into account that change is constant. And so I got to keep up with it. However, that whatever that looks like, you know what I mean? I uh, just I think it's so important for us as coaches to be, like you said, a, a lifelong learner and finding ways to improve what we do because the kids are changing. Generations Absolutely. are changing. And if we're not up with that, then we really don't care about them. We just care about getting our point across. And I've always I've always uh, uh, navigated to the idea that I first seek to understand somebody before I want to be understood. And when I do that, it just it goes a long way with young people, and I and I think you hit it right on. And and then you know, generationally, every generation we always think the previous generation is just soft. It's soft. Yeah. <laughs> this generation is soft, and this generation is hypersensitive. I just believe they're learning differently. Yeah, and, yeah. And we have to make the adjustments as teachers of the game yeah. to figure out how to figure out learning styles. Yeah, meet them where they're at. How they're learning. Yeah, you meet because, them where yeah, they're exactly. at. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I I love what you're saying, Coach, because I've I've just – I've worked with young people even since I was a young person. For the last 24 years, I've been working with young people and mainly in coaching. And uh, my heart is really for them. 
And sometimes my mouth and the words I'm saying seems like I'm against them, but my heart is yeah. always for them. And I think that's what uh, what you're talking about is, you know, yeah, the, the Internet's there now and it's not going anywhere. It's just going to grow. Their phones aren't going to go away. Uh, all no. Social media is not going anywhere. Uh, and we got to figure out, okay, how do we, how, how to attack it? Maybe that's not the right word, but how do we combat it? Maybe another abrasive type word, but maybe that's what it takes. Maybe our, our culture needs to be stronger. And like, it, like you said, the white noise, louder, stronger Absolutely. than the white noise, more consistent, more, you know, here again, doing what you're doing with the one word, uh, stuff like that. Like, I think the, that's got to be the approach for every coach that's listening right now too, is if you want better culture, better buy-in, you need to take more time to figure out how to meet your players where they're at. And I think most coaches do that, but for the few that may not or haven't considered haven't considered it, I think it's something to consider. So, coach, if you could break down for me, because I, I, I read somewhere that on your on your bio in particular where it talks about a master coaching program uh, that you have there on campus, how, how does that benefit people in the in the in the athletic program? Well, you know, the, we we uh, we used to report to our vice president of student affairs, and he had this concept of master coaching, um, which it's I've always had an issue with it because I, you know, I'm, I'm a master of nothing. I'm I'm a life learner, and so for me, I've always had a, a <laughs> difficult piece accepting that master certification that or yeah. master coaching piece because yeah. again, uh, I I I learn from anyone. I mean, yeah. I, I'm. I think it's important to listen to people. I think it's important to see their point of view on things, whether you're coaching in your first year or you've been coaching for 15 or 20 or 30 years. It doesn't matter. I think it's important that that we, we, we help each other out. Yeah. But I think because I was one of the veteran coaches here, we really wanted to have something in place to really help some of our younger coaches and really help them through some of the, some of the coaching dynamics and understanding um, because I do understand the institution and the, the type of player that we attract here, the type of student athlete that we that we want here at Holy Names University, and so I, I think that came about in that in, in that fashion. And so uh, the premise of it was good. I just think for me, like I didn't want it named that, and uh, yeah. so it's just something that stuck. And, and so for <laughs> me, like I said, if I can serve in any capacity, whether that be with the, my student athletes with I also serve as a director of strength conditioning here, so I get to interact with all the athletes here. Um, and, and, and same thing with coaches and people that I come across. If, if, if I can serve in some capacity, uh, that that's my calling. That's what I feel I have to do. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I what I try to do. So the strength and conditioning coach, everybody loves that guy. Everybody. I mean, you, you at first you don't love him because you don't love the weight, especially basketball players. They're, they're usually pretty resistant to the weights because it's going to mess up their shot or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah. It's going to weigh them yeah. down when they jump. I mean, all those, I've heard it for years, right? But after a while, fo- football players love strength and conditioning coaches. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, coming up with the right mindset and approach to it. And uh, so, yeah, you, mean, you get you get optimal time with all of them when you're, you know, the, you're, the, you're the head basketball coach you're doing strength and conditioning. That's a that's a big uh, sphere of influence, coach. And and you know I do have three GAs that kind of uh, run their little programs. I over I'm more of a director now and oversee it, but I get to be involved as much as I can. Yeah. Um, 
but the, the point that you brought up about the strength conditioning piece for me, like I said, fitness has always played a, I mean, to this day, it, play, it plays a vital role in who I am. It keeps my mind fresh, and I, you know, I work out six days a week, and that's something wow. that I, 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 I'm not willing to let go of. But when I did start as a strength conditioning coach, you asked about the women's piece earlier, but I, I ended up starting training with our women's volleyball program in spring. And, uh, you know, they ended up somehow having, they won the conference the next year and they did really well, right? Uh, soccer asked me to train with them. They ended up being top five in the country, division one NAIA and really won the conference and they were pretty good to wow. begin with, uh, but they, they made it to the final four. Uh, I then started with women's basketball. And again, the mindset of coaches in the past has been like, it's not just the players. I feel like it's sometimes the coaches. I think we're at a much different place with strength and conditioning because we're seeing the benefits of it yeah. far more now. But back then, it was that I don't, you know, I don't want my kids to lift, and it's not just lifting. It's 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 there's so many components to strength and conditioning. Yeah, you know, the sports specific actions that you are really trying to get them to be better at. But I I. I came on staff with women's basketball, Dennis Jones, who's uh, one of our legendary women's coaches here and, and really uh, won for so many years. He was a great, he continues to be a good mentor of mine. Um, I, I, I said, give me your girls. Let me train them. I guarantee you they're going to reap the benefit of it. And so with them, I was also the assistant coach on staff, and uh, we ended up winning, I think we went 33-4. and four. Wow. That following year still to this day has been the most wins we've had on the women's side. Yeah. And we lost we lost in the Elite Eight. Uh, we missed three uh, we missed we lost by three and missed twenty one free throws. Whoa. <laughs> that's so, tough. Yeah, it still haunts me and <laughs> we talk about I talk about it with uh with DJ a lot, but uh but it was one of those things where that became a big culture change in the sense of like or oh, training does work. Maybe that does work. Yeah. And so then I, I started getting more teams wanting me to train, and then and that just became the norm. And so, um, and so I, I was very thankful for that because for me, like I said, part of that concept of let, let me prove it to you, let me let me you know uh, let me work with your kids, let me let me help them be at a better place, and you know strength and conditioning serves many purposes. One of them is to really help with confidence and really help them to to see themselves differently on their you know court field whatever they're doing and so so we've been we've been so much better with that and and we're at bet we're at a much better place with that where i have three gas now that kind of oversee their teams and i, I kind of get to go in and kind of help and so it's awesome uh, but they they love they love my staff my, my guys do a great job of really getting in there and, and having the best interest of the student athlete at heart that's great coach and it's great that you can somewhat multiply yourself into those gas uh, because they're going to need some, they're going to need your wisdom, your experience, all those things, if they want to further in the in the profession. And you know, there's 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 no bigger need, I think, right now, for strength and conditioning guys as there's ever been in the past. I mean, I think it's there's a programs are everywhere putting a premium on it. Um, here again, the data, the science is there for it now, where it wasn't uh, made readily available before. You had to get stuff that was published, you know. Back in the day, yeah. I mean, you, you really couldn't just get it off the internet, uh, and so I think that's uh, just fantastic, Coach. I, I, I like that idea of, of here again, passing on what you're learning to some to to a group of a, a people. So I would ask you this, Coach, because sometimes as leaders, 
as uh, coaches, you know, we're, we're not, not above reproach or seeming, seemingly unapproachable, I should say. Um, how do you process feedback or criticism? I mean, that's a tough one for everyone, right? I, yeah. I think, you know, uh, my AD here, um, Dr. Debbie Snell, uh, has really been amazing. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's one of those things for me, like I, I, I want that feedback because if you're truly a life learner, you truly have a growth mindset, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to trust the people around you have that, uh, have, have your best interest at heart. Yeah. And, and, you know, my, I report directly to the AD here, Dr. Debbie Snell. And so the feedback that she's given me has really helped me be a better coach. I do think there's sometimes where we do get feedback from people that it does bother us. Yeah. But like I said, if we're, if we're going to be, have that growth mindset, I think we have to be better listeners to that criticism because it, it's their perspective yeah. of you, their perspective of you. And so you have to respect that. And, and I'm not telling you that it's easy for me because it's not, but I have to learn how to take a deep breath and understand that it's coming from somewhere. Yeah. And I, I guess, like I said, uh, you know, I'm very, I'm very, uh, I'm a big believer in God. And so I, I always feel like the universe has a funny way of talking to you in different ways through people, through experiences. Yeah. And, and if you're not listening, you're going to miss an opportunity to grow. Yeah. And that's the way I see it is, is, is someone else is saying it and contrary to how I may, I may feel about it. I think I have to listen to it Yeah. and, and, and a lot, at least provide that respect. But for me, you know, with certain people like my boss that I report to her and she deals with me on a daily basis, I, I want that feedback. I invite that feedback and I want her to really make me better. And she has, she's made me a better coach because of it. That's great coach. Uh, you know, becoming a better coach because of feedback is kind of the whole point of it. Right. I mean, uh, I don't think we want to hear from people so that we can kind of dog ourselves out and, you know, cry ourselves a river. I think it is all about turning that, you know, that word, those words, those sentiments into something that says, hey, yeah, I may have dropped the ball here. I may be doing this great, but it could, I can always get better. I can get better every day. Exactly. And, and then at the end of the day, you know, here again, when you lay your head down to go to sleep, you know you gave your all. You know, you know, if you didn't give your all that day, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow you're looking forward to doing that and, uh, and being a better, the best version of yourself that you could be. And I, and I think that's it. Yeah. yeah that that's pay, it right there. Yeah. And you get it. And then once you get that, I mean, everybody that you help and serve and, and look to mentor or, or however you live your life and coach, uh, you always be the best for them. You may not be the best overall, but you'd be the best for them. And so that's uh really key coach. So I'm, I'm here again, I, I like what you're saying. And it, and it, it kind of shows me that uh, there's a lot of coaches out there. Cause when I talk to coaches, you know, a lot of them are like, no, I like feedback. I want to hear the criticism. And I can't say I've always been that way. And I can't say that I'll in the future always be that way because all of yeah. us do have our moments and we have our, you know, depending on what happened happens prior to that encounter. Uh, but I do think yeah. I do think we're turning criticism away from being a nasty word, and a uh, although it's not four letters, it's not a four letter word anymore. It really is something yeah. that we can kind of take the right here again, the right mindset, the right paradigm in approaching that. Uh, so, coach, having been there at Holy Names for for the time that you've been, 
what have you learned about yourself by being a part of that community? Wow, that's a great question. Um, well, I'll be going into my 20th year next year being yeah. here at this, at this uh, at Holy Names University. And, uh, I mean, I've learned so much. I mean, you know, part of why I've been here so long is, is the core values of the Sisters of the Holy Names here. I yeah. mean, they, they're, they live those core values out every day. And, and the people that work here uh, that are in the trenches every day uh, we're really about the full development of the human person. We're really about education and faith. We're really about trying to serve those that are marginalized. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're about helping women and children. And in everything we do, those are the things that we're focusing on. You know, we're big on uh, social injustices here that, that occur, and our, our campus is very active. What I've learned is that, uh, you know, I think the older I get, the more I, I am humbled by the by what I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we feel like we know a lot, but we really don't. And, yeah. uh, and so I, I try to practice gratitude and humility and, and I really do, um, because there's always something you can get better at. There's always something you can learn. Um, but the biggest thing that I take from Holy Names University is really the, the sisters of the Holy Names and, and, and the work that they've done, uh, over the years to better the world, to better uh, it day by day and everything they do in their actions. Yeah. And so I, I would honestly say that um, it's been the biggest impact for me at this institution. I can relate to that, Coach. I uh, The high school I attended, Holy Cross High School here in San Antonio, Texas, uh, was founded by brothers. And the brothers were just, you know, they, li- they lived it out in front of us. They just didn't, they, they taught us in class, classrooms and, you know, during those formative years of my life, uh, I saw so much love and kindness and the word, this word's not used a lot, but it was used with these guys. There was a lot of tenderness, like tender, loving care. There was a lot of that. And they were so selfless in everything they did, uh, even to how they, they dressed and, you know, they were so modest and so meek and, and where it says the meek shall inherit the earth. I felt like they inherited our respect, even though we were kind of, (laughs) it was an all boys school. So we were kind of unruly at times, uh, kind of knuckleheaded. Uh, but you know, here again, I think those, I think the meek will inherit the earth. And I think like what you're talking about, the sisters there, that whole, uh, mission in general, you know, what y'all have there is something special. And, uh, and I just have nothing but respect for those type of missions, quite honestly. Like I said, for me, uh, uh, my life has got me to this point of trying to be this loyal, uh, humble, um, you know, life learner that has a growth mindset. And again, the different people in your life that are put into your life, um, I wish more people would realize that in the moment and not. 20 years from now, you know, because I think it's so important because, uh, there's a saying that if you, if if you're not listening, right, then you're, you're talking too much. Yeah. So you have to listen because you really have to take in what's being given to you, right? We grow when things are given to us. And, and so for me, I just, I've really tried to be a better listener in my yeah, life yeah. and really listen to what's being said by who and, and when. And, and so the different people in my life 
including my wife, who, you know, challenges me every day to be a better version of myself. Yeah. Uh, we have nothing but such amazing respect for people that, that have their best interests, uh, have our best interests at heart. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. That's great, Coach. Like you said, being a better listener. I, I, uh, I recently had Alan Stein on, and we were talking about that and kind of who, you know, who we think we are as listeners who people will say we are as listeners and who we actually are as listeners. And, uh, and I think that's really important to really take time to reflect because if we say we're serving young people, uh, young men, young women, whoever we're serving, uh, we need to be better listeners than better authoritarians in a sense. <laughs> Maybe authoritarian is not the word, but it sure comes off that way to them if we're not listening. So I, Absolutely. yeah, so I appreciate you saying that. So coach, you know, here again, being where you've been for 20 years, uh, already kind of having a foundation there, obviously. Um, and every day taking steps forward here again to be the, uh, the best version of yourself. And I believe that day by day we build our legacy. And whether it's not, it, it doesn't have to be a legacy where they're going to film a documentary about us one day or, or whatnot, or, you know, give us some lifetime achievement award. Who knows? Uh, that's not the point. The point is, what are, what are we doing every day to make an impact? to changing culture, society, whatever it is we feel we're called to do. So, Coach, I would ask you this. What do you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? You know, it's funny because if you would have asked me that when I first got into coaching, I think my answer would have been so much different. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I think the, this game has a funny way of humbling you yeah. in so many ways as well, just like life. Uh, the game of basketball is such an extension of life, and that's why I think it correlates so well to developing young men. Yes. Because we can utilize certain things, life skills things, to help incorporate into basketball that will help them in their life. Um, but for me, I, I, I feel like if if I can be remembered by serving others, like yeah. I said, for me, uh, from a young age, I knew that I was going to serve people in some capacity. I really want that to be, and don't get me wrong, does it mean that I don't want to win? Or don't, you know, that's, that's, that's part of the process of, of trying to, you know, we, we all want to be winners. No one goes yeah. into coaching saying, if I never win a game, I'll be okay with that. <laughs> but I, I honestly think yeah. uh, for me it's just knowing that I have done my job to serve the people that I encounter or that I'm around, I think for me that is something that I, that I hope and pray that, is something that you know will be said about me um, whenever whenever it's time for me to no longer be here. But uh, but that's one big thing for me that I really try to get better at and learn how to really serve others better. So that's great, coach, and because I, I think that's that's the whole point of coaching. Honestly, is serving people and helping them realize their full potential, bringing out their full potential. Otherwise. Uh, I don't know. I've heard people say it before where they're, you know, this job would be perfect if there wasn't any kids. Like, well, then you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have a job. We're here because they're here. If there's, yeah. you know, if there's nobody to lead and nobody to impact and there's nobody to coach. Uh, we're just guys who think we know it all. And and I would just hate to, to see other coaches kind of fall victim to that mindset. So I'm, I'm glad you, you said what you said about, you know, service, because uh, servant leadership is always the best form, in my opinion. So, Coach Sanchez, I really do appreciate your time. I thank you for coming on. Very, very intuitive and, and uh, 
informative uh, talk we had today. So, you know, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. And thank you, Mike, for the work that you're doing. And I think it is so important for, you know, I've, I've listened to your podcast and I, I love some of the things that other coaches are saying. And I really feel like we can learn from each other. So for you to be, be able to create this environment for people to listen to other people's stories and hopefully take something from it. Yeah. I think that's what it's all about. So thank you for the work that you're doing to serve in our community and, and, and do the things that you do. So I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the creative coaching podcast. You can find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and you can even follow us on Twitter at creativecoach47. Thank you.